You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We are wrapping up our three days at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association CattleCon 23 down in New Orleans, Louisiana. It has been a great week of conversations, catching up with producers from around the country, hearing about their struggles. But importantly for me this week, I heard a lot of optimism about the cattle industries. We're looking ahead to 2023. And boy, that is neat to be with a bunch of people that share your enthusiasm. So I've certainly appreciated it. Hopefully I had the chance to catch up with some of you while we were running around here at the trade show, but we continue today and we're sitting with our friends, the Farmers Business Network. We're in their booth and we encourage you to stop by and see us if you're here on the grounds. We're going to be talking through what's developing in this industry. Joining us first from FBN is TJ Wilson. He's the director of finance, sales of finance. And TJ, we've got some volatility here in the broader economic market. We had some jobs information out this morning, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, the jobs number was definitely a, a little surprising, I think, to the market. So with the Fed making their increase yesterday of a quarter point, uh, I anticipate the Fed's going to get a little more aggressive probably the, the rest of the year uh, to try to right-size the economy here. So we could see some, some steepening of the yield curve uh, and see those rates continue to rise. What, what does that mean on the ground, TJ? If I'm a borrower and I've been dealing with low interest yep. rates on my operating note, what does the Fed being more aggressive mean for my bottom line? Well, we've seen the, the prime rate move from three and a half up to 7.75 in the last year. And so that's a direct impact on farmers and their operating loans and their borrowing costs. So we're going to continue to see that most likely rise some more. So you're going to see borrowing costs go up two and a half, three, potentially four times for some of these borrowers year over year, uh, which is going to be a huge impact to their bottom line. It is. And it, these rates don't appear like they're slowing down. TJ, I mean, you, your indication is that we could see higher rates this year. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to economists with FBN, uh, we definitely see the Fed getting more aggressive and see rates continue to stay high all the way through 23 and potentially into 24. So what can we do about it, TJ? The conversations that I've been having here at the trade show, there are a lot of questions. How do we manage these elevated costs? What's FBN bringing to the table on the finance side? So FBN is really a farmer's first mission. Um, that's everything we do with all of our product sets. So one of the things that we're really trying to do is a 0% operating loan and some 0% financing options when you're purchasing from FBN. So when you're talking eight and a half, nine to 11% interest rates on operating loans, if we can get some 0%, that's going to have a direct impact and a huge impact on their operation and their bottom line. Yeah. And how long are these are one year term fixed at, at zero? Yeah. I mean, one year term, depending on kind of when they take out that loan, but it matures March 20 or March 1st of 24. So, okay. And what's been the reception for the idea of 0% operating notes, TJ? Yeah. I mean, we've seen a huge reception uh, with this across FBN and across the country with our footprint. So we've, we've grown FBN finance drastically over the last three years since we launched. That's a key part of it. Uh, our farmer's first mission and our products that are dedicated solely to agriculture are a key part of that. So we've grown over a billion dollars in that time, uh, serving over 1,700 farmers. So. And when we think about the footprint of yep. FBN and the farmers you're working with specifically on the finance side, are yep. you truly nationwide or do you have a few geographies that you're trying to target first? So we're truly nationwide. I mean, obviously there's some geographies with our background as FBN and really doing a lot of things in the upper Midwest. Uh, we have a major footprint there uh, as far as the geographical focus, but we can operate anywhere. All right. That is exciting to hear. And how do you, what would I as a borrower, how would my experience be different applying for accepting, signing an operating note through FBN? Yeah, I think the one thing that we do as FBN is we're not a bank. And so we don't have the bank regulation and some of those rules that a lot of other people have. So we can get a little more creative in what we're doing. Uh, so we have an online digital application that's with our operating loans under a million dollars. It's an instant decision and a seamless experience for them to be able to use that to buy things from our direct store and access it through their other bank accounts. So definitely a good products set there in addition to some proprietary products like a farmland capital equity investment product that banks can't offer, but it's something we can get a little creative with. Let's get into that, TJ. Yep. What is that farmland capital? Farmland is the it is the hot <clears throat> issue right now. It is. You know, investors really like farmland. They want to invest in farmland. And so can we create a product that brings investor money to the market? Instead of competing against farmers, we use it to benefit farmers. Uh, we effectively are trying to pair up an investor with a farmer uh, to try to grow their operation effectively. Has that been a program that's been in practice for a while or is it fairly new this year? So we launched that about a year and a half ago. Uh, we've seen a lot of interest and a lot of success in that time. And 
I bet. I bet that is a, that is a pretty compelling argument. And that's another question. It, geography. When you're identifying these producers in this land, upper Midwest bias again? Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, we, we try to stay away from like your rangeland uh, mm. effectively, but pretty much any other you know improved pasture or crop ground uh, okay. we can play with. What else do you see coming in 2023 as this volatility is likely to continue? Yeah, okay. I mean, with the volatility the increase, you know, there's going to stay there. And I think it's going to cause producers to have some tough times making decisions because it's going to be so different than it was a year ago when they were making those decisions. Input prices continue to stay high. Uh, borrowing costs are continuing to stay high. It's going to really be a deer in the headlights look. So I think producers just need to continue to be proactive, work with their trusted advisors, whether that's their lender, FBN, their banker, their their other advisors, try to make those decisions as best they can from a business standpoint. From the business standpoint, bringing in the FBN, the direct sales, the, mm -hmm. the internet model, how have folks worked that into their operation on the financing side? Yeah, we launched a number of different products that allow the producers to compare. Uh, so transparency is a, a key factor in what we do across the FBN. So the ability to compare those input prices and compare rates, uh, we got a loan calculator that can do that as well. Um, it looks at an apples to apples comparison for their operations so that they can make better decisions that make sense for them. And I want to circle back to the, the FBN operating note. Mm -hmm. That is money that can be used in FBN yep. for purchasing directly, but it could also be used as my regular operating loan with my standard input suppliers. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can get the potential 0% on anything you buy through direct uh, through FBN, but then you can use that operating loan for anything else as far as your operation, as far as fertilizer, your other retailers, or your rent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that is pretty exciting, TJ. Yep. Application. I mean, the, the, you've mentioned it's a direct, it's an yep. immediate decision. Yep. What do I need to have on hand when I go to fill out the application? Yeah, so when you go to fill out that application, it's a pretty seamless process. It's a three to five minute application to fill out before you get a decision. Uh, you know, really it's your basic information uh, as far as, you know, your operation, uh, who you are, your contact information, and then some basic overviews of your financials, total assets, total liabilities, gross income. Uh, and then you can submit that application and get a decision. And TJ, from a finance side, for mm -hmm. folks who maybe haven't touched their balance sheet mm -hmm. in a year or two, Mm -hmm. The volatility means this is probably a great time to get after that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Land prices continue to stay high, um, so balance sheets look a lot better than they they have in the past, and so and input prices, your costs are higher, so the balance sheets are, are volatile as well. So definitely time to get after that. Uh, that operating line is a fixed rate, and so if we continue to see rates rise, it's time to get that locked in and, and try to put your operation in a better situation. CJ, do we know if zero percent is going to be an option in 2024? Quite well, yet. Well, <laughs> we'll have to see what the economy does, right? But anything we can do to help the farmers out and put them in the and the ranchers and put them in the best situation we can. That's what we want to do. That's right. Anything to bring that margin back right. home to the farm. TJ, for listeners who are curious, maybe they want to check out the application program, see yep. if it would work in their operation. Where can they go for more information? Yeah, they can go to fbn.com um, and go to the financing tab there. It's going to have all of our applications and all of our different product sets there. They can reach out to one of the members on my team page. Uh, so we've got 31 lenders on the team that they can reach out to at any time that are spread across the United States. They're all Most of them are producers as well, so they really know what our customers are going through day to day. Fantastic, folks. We have been speaking with TJ Wilson, the Director of Finance Sales with FBN. And TJ, thank you so much for joining us here today. I appreciate the time. Thank you. And folks, stay with us. We will be continuing to discuss the issues that are important to agriculture here this morning on AOA. So stick around. We'll have more coming up from the FBN booth. We'll be talking with Dr. Julia Herman from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association here when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. 
The archaeological records suggest that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders. The baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Egg Network. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. That's the Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, folks, welcome back to AOA. The conversation continues here on the trade show floor for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and we are turning our focus to cattle health. Joining us for this segment is Dr. Julia Herman. She's the beef cattle specialist veterinarian with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And I'm curious, Julia, what have you heard? What have the questions been from a health regard from producers here at NCBA this year? Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, A lot of the cattle health issues that I've been talking to producers about. A lot of it's just everyday things. So talking about bovine respiratory disease, what can we do to prevent it? Uh, We've talked a little bit about Asian longhorn tick, what the research is coming in on that, and uh, really anything in between. It has been an interesting year from from a health perspective in the animal ag industry in 2022, and my brain immediately goes to HPAI and the high path avian influenza. Of course, we've seen that in the poultry industry. Julia, can the beef industry, do we need to learn anything from that experience on the poultry side? Absolutely. I mean, the they have been really devastated in our poultry partners have been just uh, across the world yes. have been dealing with this. And I think it's a really good lesson for the beef industry here in the U.S. to, to take lessons from them. Uh, the poultry industry, uh, they have a little bit more control over their environment with taking care of their animals. They're, you know, they're in a building. They're able to control that. Beef industry isn't like that. I mean, we we have all of our animals are outside. Uh, we have operations that have five five head out on pasture. We have operations that have thousands of head in the feedlot, and we have everything in between. And so, uh, we get to be a little more creative with how we protect our cattle and take care of them and keep their uh, keep their health as good as they can be. That is true. And so, I'm wondering from a biosecurity standpoint, Dr. Herman. Has any of the research changed or what do we need to be thinking about from a biosecurity standpoint in 2023? Honestly, the biosecurity principles that we've been practicing have been around for 
uh, decades. And I think just every time we see some sort of incursion like HPAI, even though it's not in the beef industry, we try to figure out how we can protect the cattle industry a little bit better. All of that starts with prevention uh, back at the farm. And so that's what uh, Beef Quality Assurance, the program I work on, that's what we really try to push. I mean, it's all about preventive measures to keep those animals healthy. And then if you do have a disease risk come in, those animals are as strong as possible to fight that off. So we have developed a biosecurity plan that can be downloaded from the website. Uh, it's also a fillable PDF that people can use, but it goes through uh, animal movement, human movement, vehicle movement, uh, your new imports. Are, did you buy a new bull? Uh, if you did buy a new bull, did you do a breeding soundness exam and test it for specific diseases like BVD mm -hmm. or yonis so you're not introducing that into your herd? But a lot of it is also just on the human side. So are you training your employees about basic biosecurity principles and uh, training them to handle the cattle appropriately? Um, low stress handling keeps those animals uh, not stressed so their immune system isn't, uh, isn't challenged and they're able to fight off, again, any of those viruses or bacteria that they might come across. So it really is the big picture, not just it's not just cleaning and disinfection. It's right. really looking at the entire operation. And as you mentioned, the operations across the cattle complex are widely varied. So if I am a producer and I sign in to fill out the biosecurity plan, is it going to allow the flexibility to make it fit my operation? Cow, calf, feedlot, stocker, whatever. Yes, that's exactly what we tried to do with this plan. Uh, it's customizable to your specific plan or your specific operation. And so anybody can really come out and fill this out. Uh, if you have multiple species, say you have, say you're a farmer feeder, you're also, you know, your kids also show sheep. Uh, you can fill that out, fill that out and it will still apply to you. So we tried to, we tried to build in that flexibility for that very purpose. And it sounds to me like the idea is just to get producers to be thinking, all right, how can I get a new perspective on my operation with the focus being you know, foreign contaminants? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we talk, uh, the biosecurity plan is, um, we call it a risk management tool. And so it's, uh, it's something that you can evaluate once a year. Maybe it's just with your family, maybe it's with your veterinarian. Veterinarians are trained to look at the big picture, look at all these different ways that the animals can get sick and try to prevent that. Uh, and having that second set of eyes is sometimes useful. Um, I know every, you know, I get into, uh, when I'm going about my business every day, you know, sometimes you just go on autopilot and you just kind of get the blinders on and you forget to look at things. So having that extra set of eyes is really helpful. So, uh, that's what we're recommending. Um, I mean, biosecurity, uh, it's always changing. We, I, one of my favorite phrases from a vet that I worked with was biosecurity is a verb. And so it's never, it's, it's not the same today as it is tomorrow. And you always need to be paying attention to it. And, um, having the plan written down, it's going through this process, mm -hmm. like the thought process. I mean, it's not <clears throat> necessarily about the written plan, but it's thinking about all the different aspects. And then if you do, you know, say you do have a BRD outbreak, you've already thought about all the, re all the ways that uh, you've been handling your cattle and protecting them. And then you're like, oh, this might've happened. Like, you know, we bought an animal from the sale barn and brought it in, didn't quarantine it, something like that. So it's about the process and just getting people thinking about it more on a daily basis. That's absolutely true, Julie. But even in the best case scenario where you've got perfect biosecurity, we're all outside. Things still get through and we still need medication for our livestock and the rules around a lot of those medications, particularly antibiotics, are changing. Yes. Can you fill us in on what's going on at the FDA? Sure. So uh, Food and Drug Administration, uh, guidance for industry number two, 63 that's going to be uh, put into place in June of this year, so 2023. And uh, so what it is doing is it's taking medically important antibiotics, so those are those antibiotics that are important to the human health realm. Uh, they're taking those from the over-the-counter over uh, and transitioning it to prescription only. So you will need a veterinarian to write that prescription to have access to those uh, antibiotics. The antibiotics aren't going away. It's just this, uh, you know, extra, extra uh, pre preparation step in having that veterinarian oversight. And uh, 
so these are some common drugs that you might um, see at the feed store, like oxytetracyclines, your penicillins. There are some intermammary products and like some uh, oral sulfa boluses. Mm. So those are uh, those are going to be prescription only and. Um, I guess we have a few months before that happens. And the requirements for prescribing, as you mentioned, haven't changed. The idea is we're just going to have those requirements checked off by a veterinarian. Correct. Yep. Okay. Uh, this is uh, this is an overall plan by the FDA. It's been, I mean, the plan has been in place for multiple years. Uh, I mean, your listeners likely remember when the veterinary feed directive came into place, uh, 2017. This is just an extra step in that next step in that plan. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying. Uh, the FDA is trying to reduce antimicrobial resistance, which is a problem in the human realm, but it's also a problem in the animal realm. And so uh, this is one way that if uh, we can actually ensure judicious and responsible use of these antibiotics. And uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm biased. I'm a veterinarian, right? So, uh, but the veterinarian can do so much more than just prescribe medications. And we already talked about it. I mean, we're trained to look at the, everything on your on your ranch and, you know, Helping with the herd health plan, pregnancy diagnosing, nutrition, uh, training your employees, filling out that biosecurity plan. Veterinarians are there for a lot more things than just treating animals. That's a great point, Dr. Herman. On the the antibiotics, the, the medically important antibiotics, once this is in effect, this proposal 263, do we hope that's the end of it? I mean, will there be additional changes to antibiotics coming? Or as far as the FDA has announced, this is kind of where things will stand for the time being? For the time being, this is what's going to happen. But I think... Uh, I think we all need to realize, I mean, just the ongoing threat of antimicrobial resistance. And I mean, those, uh, the guidance is always going to be changing and uh, we're just going to have to rely on the current research and figure out uh, how to guide that, guide those protocols. But for right now, that's uh, that's the major thing that's happening. Okay. Now, Dr. Herman, I know NCBA keeps up on a lot of these changes. You make that accessible to producers and members. Can you give our listeners some advice? Where can they go to see the work NCBA is doing on some of these issues? Absolutely. So uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of the work uh, that our team in the policy office is doing um, can be found on ncba.org under the producer education. Uh, tab. There's a lot of different webinars that people can go and uh, check out. We have some uh, some resources they can download there. Um, from the beef quality assurance standpoint, all of our resources and certification modules are found on bqa.org. Uh, I mean, the BQA program is all about educating producers and trying to give them tools to make their operation better. Um, we believe in continuous improvement. We can always improve, and that's what we're that's what we try to do with these resources, really partnering the the producer with the experts behind developing these plans and connecting uh, connecting veterinarians to them. That is fantastic, folks. You can find that at bqa.org. We have been talking with Dr. Julia Herman, beef cattle specialist at NCBA. Dr. Herman, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. And folks, stick around. We'll have more AOA coming up from the trade show floor at CattleCon 23 here in just a few moments. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Pride. It runs deep for those in agriculture. But that pride can also prevent farmers from asking for help when it's needed most. An injury, illness, or natural disaster is a heavy burden for any operation to bear. Farm Rescue is here to help shoulder that burden. We are a nonprofit organization helping farm families in crisis with free planting, haying, and harvesting assistance. There is no pride lost when it comes to Farm Rescue. Learn more at farmrescue.org. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. 
The dollar surged on this morning's jobs data, which led to an immediate decline in grain and oilseed prices. Energy prices also dropped, but they were able to recover as the market focused more on the anticipated demand from a healthier economy. Grain and oilseed traders still have concerns, but drought shortened corn and soybean crops in Argentina and harvest delays in Brazil. Now we should see updated data on harvest progress today, but they'll be keeping a close eye today on the U.S. dollar and on Wall Street money flow. Next week's USDA WASDE crop report on Wednesday is expected to several million metric tons from Argentina's corn and soybean crops. Now on Wall Street, good news is sometimes bad news. And again, that happened today as traders digest the latest monthly jobs report from the government. Both stocks and commodity prices took a hit when this morning's numbers were released amid fears that the data may stimulate a more hawkish Federal Reserve or really rather that the Fed may actually do what it says it'll do. The VIX, though, still remains below 18 this morning. That's reflecting a lack of panic on Wall Street. Now, today's jobs report is one that you would expect from a robust economy, which certainly caught virtually everyone on Wall Street by surprise. It's certainly not the kind of report that you would expect to ease the Fed's concerns about wage inflation, which is now the primary driver of remaining inflation pressures. Today's market close should tell us a great deal about how Wall Street perceives this morning's numbers. On the other hand, bulls will argue that today's numbers suggest that we can have a soft landing while tackling inflation and that the economy is already on the mend. The contrary argument to that, though, is today's numbers mean that the Fed must be even more aggressive in monetary tightening, inflicting even more pain on the economy in order to bring wage inflation under control. Now, perception is reality until it isn't. Perception of reality will drive market action on Wall Street, and we should learn a great deal today about that perception. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us here today for AOA. We appreciate being included as a part of your operation. Hopefully, can help you make some decisions in this year ahead as this volatile ag industry continues apace. We are here in the FBN booth on the trade show floor. I'd love to have you come by and see us. We're right next to the buffet if you could make your way down to the trade show floor. We are talking feed. We're talking animal health. Joining us to have this conversation is Eric Wedding. He's the regional director for livestock. His region is America. <laughs> Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. What do you do day to day? I mean, what's your, what's your job at FBN, regional director? What's that mean? Yep. Head of sales for livestock. So work with the sales team in the field pretty much across most of the United States. All right. And then yeah. also joining us on this conversation is Dr. Spencer Walter. Spencer, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. You. Now, when we think of FBN, when I think of FBN, and this is a perception, of course, that I need to shed, I think of buying online. I don't think of veterinarians on staff. Spencer, what do you do for FBN? Yeah, so the list is quite long, but I mean, it's anything from preg check-in to Bangs vaccines and then consulting. You know, FBN is really the platform that lets me reach so many more producers, right? Helping them be better, right? Which is what every producer wants. So that's the exciting thing is why FBN has helped me excel in grow as a veterinarian. That is cool. And Spencer, that's a great point. Farmers are looking for ways to maximize, obviously, their utility in this crazy environment and so much of their costs on farms and ranch across the country are tied up in feed. 
Absolutely. We've got to get the, the groceries into these animals. FBN's got some new solutions for feed, don't they, Eric? We do, Mike. I mean, one of the biggest things that we've done is built an online store that you can transact on feed. Right now, we're, we're, it's one of the first in the industry. Right now, it's totally transactable on liquid feed that you can basically go in, buy a total truckload, have it delivered directly to the door. Am I buying freight? Am I am I working as the broker? How does this work as a producer when I log in to get it done? What do I need to have on hand to get my feed bought? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I mean, like, like Spencer mentioned, the platform really has a lot to offer. So when you come into FBN, it's not just about feed. You know, it's about you can come in, you can you can get quotes on healthcare insurance. You can get you can basically get financing at zero percent on a lot of the inputs that we put in. Um, has a full transactable store where we have nutritionists on staff, so we can consult with you, work through your diets, what exactly you're doing on your operation, and then which feed products would be the best products. And then you could bring those feed products right in. Is where this is going. That's correct. Yeah, you mentioned liquid feed available now. Where do you see it going over the year? Yeah, as we move forward, we'll basically continue to build out the store to add more dry supplements, bulk products, where you'll be able to transact all those on the store as well. And is this going to be available nationwide? Yeah, we're right now we're starting more or less in the cattle corridor mm. um, from Montana down to Texas, you know, but uh, we'll expand out as, as we bring on additional mills. All right, and that cattle corridor, Texas up through the Dakotas, that has been racked by drought this past year. Given the fact that that's made feed somewhat less available, or at least a, a little a little tougher to get your hands on. Are you hearing from producers in that region who are excited about this opportunity to maybe have fresh access to feed choices? Absolutely. Producers are looking for different ways, right, to save money, improve, reduce the cost on their operation, and improve their ROI. And we're working really hard to make that happen. That's what it's all about. So that's the one side. We can keep the animals fed going through FBN. We got to also keep them healthy. We were just talking with Dr. Herman from the NCBA. There are some health risks out there. What can FBN do from a from an animal health perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, pathogens are always changing, right? So something that I really pride our clinic's partnership with FBN on is, you know, like our autogenous vaccines, making sure that we have the exact right tools in your toolbox when you're thinking about how to prevent a, a disease outbreak on your operation. And then when inevitably you do have one, we've got all the antibiotics, you know, at hand. So having them in my back pocket with FBN is nice because I can prescribe anything and I know they're going to be able to get the product through our store. And so now I'm curious, the, the order working, it's going to happen online. Eric, is that the goal for the animal health products? It is. It is. And we offer all the antibiotics, vaccines, supplies, just about anything you can think of that you need would be on that store. There's over 6,000 products online right now. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to transact from your phone uh, as you need it and basically have product arrive within one to three days. Now, if I'm working with in the animal health space, I know on a lot of these products, we're just talking about it, that VFD is so crucial. I have the veterinary sign-off. Dr. Walter, how does this work? If I'm buying online, how can I get a veterinary sign-off? Oh, exactly. So there's two components. So you need a VCPR, so a vet-client-patient relationship, before you can even buy antibiotics, right? Mm -hmm. So we go out, we have all these, all these sales reps or territory managers out in the country. They find a producer in need. I come out, talk with them four or five hours, understand the operation, and then they can get like injectable antibiotics and autogenous vaccines. And then if you're gonna put some medication in the feed, since 2017, we've had to have a veterinary feed directive, right? Mm -hmm. So they call us, I go out, see what the problem is, prescribe it, and then we have a lot of good support staff. They can get it done online and then send it to them within 10, 15 minutes, and then they can send it to either their feed distributor, order you know, a product like oreomycin through our store, and top dress, that okay. type of thing. Yeah. So now we're here, we're talking beef cattle, obviously, at the NCBA event, but I just, Dr. Walter, I know you're in Minnesota. Of course, the cattle industry as a whole includes the dairy business. FBN have products that can work on a dairy situation as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, in Minnesota and Iowa and South Dakota, especially thinking about that I-29 corridor, there's a lot of dairy. So we got all the products to help you on the dairy side as well. That is fantastic. And has that been a, an area of growth that you've been seeing? Oh, yes, for sure. The other thing, Mike, that's been a big help for us is we do have a full pharmacy with pharmacists on staff. So we can actually fill prescriptions from any vet 
So if we're working with your local vet, right, if, if they want, we just make a phone call and we can basically place the order. That's a great point. So if I have a veterinary client relationship, if I have a VFD with my, my local doc who I love, we can keep that in place and still be able to access the, the technology and the tools oh, available. Absolutely, because I know at least speaking for me and all the vets that work with FBN, we definitely don't want to step on other clinics' toes. That That's not what we're here for, mm -hmm. right? If you find a need and want to have us join your operation, we're definitely more than happy to do it. But to get products you know, at a reasonable price, considering margins are always shrinking on livestock and commodities, we're here to try to fill that gap and your own veterinarian can write the script and you can still order through our own store. That's so true. Well, it's about to be a busy time here in the cattle business. Oh, of man. course, calving season is coming up. There's a lot of excitement for these calves as they're hitting the ground. I am convinced there's gonna be a lot of value in each one of those little critters <laughs> as they grow up. We gotta keep them all alive. Dr. Yeah. Walter, as you're thinking about calving season this year, what do you want producers to have in mind? Maybe a little refresher before that starts to move. Yeah, absolutely. So calving is always a very stressful time and we wanna make sure that the calves do hit the ground, right? So. When I talk about hitting the ground, there are gonna be some of those very late nights, very early mornings where you're inevitably gonna have to be pulling a calf. So just thinking about, you know, no one knows your cows better than you do, right? So if you notice that they started going into labor and then nothing's really happening for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, that's the time where you either, you gotta, you gotta sleeve up, right? Put mm -hmm. on a little lube and assess the situation, right? And if you see that it's a breech calf or it's sideways or there's twins, then it's time to start talking about calling your veterinarian and I am not necessarily always the most forward thinker but you have to think about you know how long it'll take your vet to get there right it's been 45 minutes to an hour you notice there's a problem and my vet's a half hour away right you know then we're not optimizing ourselves for success of having, you know, mom be all right and the calf. Mm -hmm. So just think about that because time, I know I've been trying to pull a calf, time can get away from you fast. It certainly can. I mean, that is that is absolutely a fact. And do you see this as a time of year that producers are, are jumping back in? Maybe it's a time to refresh some supplies on the operation? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We, we um, see, again, like we said, one of the biggest things is being a little bit more proactive, maybe keeping a little bit of supplies on hand, mm -hmm. you know, get your orders in as soon as possible, you know, so that we don't have any issues with some of the weather challenges that we've yes. had recently. And they have certainly been challenges. That's something producers should be thinking about with this volatile weather through the winter, Dr. Walter. I mean, anything that we need to have in mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have you have weather challenges that cause, you know, slug feeding and acidosis. So making sure you have the resources at hand or readily available. You know, I'm from Minnesota or Minnesota. So, you know, shipping could be delayed for two days or more because of that. And that's why, you know, I have a vet box that I work out of all the time right have all of my resources so that's why we worked with uh, other people at fbn to have this calving box right mm -hmm. you got you got your sleeves you got your lube your iodine your chlorhexidine chains handles right so it's a mini vet box for the calving situation yeah. right to make sure is like when you have a problem with calving you got your tools right next to you yes keep the paperwork in there as your vaccine you can jot down oh, what absolutely. you're doing keep the records maintained of course fbn helping folks maintain their records keeping that electronically logged that's yeah. fantastic i want to ask you talking calves those calves hit the ground they're growing up we got to be caring for mama we got to be caring for that baby postpartum yep. what does fbn bring to the table yeah so the great thing is the entire table, you know, so whether or not it's uterine strong boluses, right, from that difficult calving. If you're going to need antibiotics because she gets a uterine infection, right, you need internasal vaccines to get that calf instant immunity when it hits the ground so it's starting off on the right foot. Mom doesn't produce colostrum, right? We got colostrum replacer. So we got banding for castrating right away so you don't accidentally 900 pound bull in the pen later this year, right? So really anything you can think of, we've got. And if not, we can help you think through a, a solution to, to achieve the same goal, right? That's a great point. You can help us think through a solution. It's not just impersonal buying on the internet, Eric. What if growers need to know if they haven't yet worked with FBN? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is exactly what you just said. We're all about solving problems, solving solutions. We really aren't about selling products. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the platform of FBN basically, like I said again, can be in financing, healthcare, all your, all your uh, animal health products, all of your feed products. Um, but take a look, right? FBN.com, and uh, you can really kind of see everything that we have to offer. That was FBN.com is where you can find everything right there. Everything for cattle. Just go right to the main page. We'll get pointed in the right direction. Yes, you will. All right, folks. We have been talking with Eric Wedig, Regional Director for Livestock with FBN. We've also been speaking with Dr. Spencer Walter, veterinarian with FBN. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. 
And folks, stick around. We are going to have more AOA coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk nutrition with Monty Curley from FBN when AOA returns momentarily. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers, and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. 
When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for staying with us today here on AOA. We are talking with our friends from the Farmers Business Network. In the last segment, we spoke with Spencer Walter, veterinarian with FBN. He joins us again for this segment. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to be here. We're also turning the focus towards nutrition. Joining us is Monty Curley, Dr. Monty Curley. He's the senior ruminant nutritionist here at FBN. And Dr. Curley, my first question is to you. Nutrition has gotten pricey in the last two years. How are you hearing producers dealing with these elevators? costs. Yeah, so the biggest problem I think producers face is nutrition was always important because it's the biggest factor that affects costs of gain, right? And so with feed feed prices going up, cost of gain has really become, I think, a, a center point for what feeders are doing. And the idea there is that w- what we're pushing is really look at cost of gain and not so much cost per ton. But where's, where's the profit at? That's what it all comes down to. And another theme I've seen around the FBN booth, Dr. Curley, is changing how you balance your ration. So many folks were focused on that protein, we're getting that growth juice into these animals, but there's more that folks should be thinking about, isn't there, in a balanced ration? Yeah, so the way, the way I like to get in an argument with uh, nutritionists and feeders is there's no such thing as a protein requirement, right, or metabolizable protein requirement. So that if you look at swine poultry industries, the way they made a lot of their strides was amino acid nutrition. So that's the very same thing that we're trying to do with the FBN. We're interested in, in balancing for amino acid requirements of the calf. How do we get the diet where we optimize that? Why? Why are we focused on amino acids versus just protein? Yeah, so it's it's really impossible to maximize the efficiency of a calf if you don't have the amino acids balanced with uh, with energy. So if you look at what other species have done, that's really how they've been able to track or really improve uh, efficiency, reduce cost of gain. You, what you want to do is you want to get to the animal where its biological possibility is for how uh, how efficient it can make you know meat protein that we're going to consume. So when we're taking the balance away, or, or when we're rebalancing for amino acids, are we typically reducing some of the crude protein and finding it from another source that includes more amino acids, or is it an entirely separate addition or inclusion to the ration? Yeah, so the way we feed cattle, it's really a, a pretty minor adjustment to the diet. You know, the interesting thing is if you ask uh, other species, they couldn't tell you what the protein level in the diet is, but they are interested in amino acids. So we're doing the same thing. If you look at that, if you look at what we do with the diets, typically we may bring some of the protein feeds in the diet down, We'll come in with a different protein source, might be a half, one and a half pound per head per day inclusion, something like that. But the whole goal there is we really not, we're not worried uh, what the percent protein in the diet is. We're worried in lysine, arginine, methionine, the amino acids that are in the diet. So this is something you've been working on with producers working through FBN. And I understand, Spencer, you've had the chance to work with some of these trials, working with the producers who are rebalancing their rations. And what have you seen? Yeah, so that's the incredible part. We're working with some dairy beef crosses that came in about 200 pounds uh, in Minnesota. And what those producers have seen, and I'll, it's preliminary for the only the first weight, but the incredible thing is, you know, so they have almost like four tenths a pound better of average daily gain. But what really got the producers excited was the cost savings, like the cost of gain, right? Seeing is believing a little bit, at least for me, and it was incredible. So their cost of gain was 15 cents lower, right? Per day. Per day, per head. Per head. Right? So you get a group of 340 head, which is what the producer has batches in. They're saving $2,300 a month just on feed savings while the animals are, you know, 
doing amazing, right? And was this because you you swapped out a, a non-amino acid dense protein for one with amino and it had some cost savings? Right, so that's the thing is like, if you think you need 10 pieces of a puzzle to make muscle, we're giving them all 10 pieces to make muscle, no more and no less. So you don't have all that extra fluff in the diet, right? It's not too too many extra calories, right? It's exactly what they need. And that's what Monty has figured out. Monty, if I'm currently feeding it, high DDG, high protein, maybe I don't know what my amino acid content is. If I switch to a higher amino acid content, am I gonna notice any behavior changes, efficacy changes in the cattle while they're consuming? No, the, the biggest difference we see is, well, some diets we've, uh, we've done this with, producers, we're seeing uh, some rumen like digestive upsets, acidosis. Really, we think that links back to the starch overloading in the rumen. Uh, it's, it's a primary reason for that. So when we balance amino acids to the energy, uh, a lot of times what we'll see is uh, same growth, maybe a little better growth, same growth, with less feed intake, so efficiency improves, but we're also able, I think, to keep a little better gut health in, in that calf, rumen health and gut health in the calf. Interesting. Are, are you seeing differences in amino acid sources based on the geography of the cattle producer, or is it is soybean meal kind of what everybody's going to? Yeah, so we'll, we'll grab a lot of rumen-protected soybean meal. We'll, um, depending on what the composition of the diet is, will affect where, what proteins or where we have to go, where we have to go to get the amino acids to go post-rumen that we want. The biggest, biggest impact that's going to be is what the ingredients in the diet are. So if we take a younger calf that's maybe a heavier silage or haylage in the diet uh, compared to a calf that's on a heavy corn diet, that's going to have a big impact on, on what we do to adjust amino acids. Okay. And Spencer, are you continuing these trials on into 2023 with producers on the ground? Absolutely. So um, it's the same producer that we're going through. Uh, they are 317 days on feed. So the trial, you know, I had to buckle in. You know, it's, it's a long one, right? Not not a sprint for sure. We're doing another way in here uh, in March, which I'm really excited about. But the most that I've heard from this producer that I've worked with is the health, right? Minnesota has so such variable like weather, weather right? So it, it's it's warm and then it's super cold. You got negative 40 wind chills, right? So cattle have been slug feeding, leading to acidosis, right? Not feeling that good, pneumonia. So what we've seen is our trio calves, you know, have had better health, less pulls, less treats. Really? Because they've stayed on feed, right? They've had a consistent life. One thing that either a dairy or a beef animal loves is the same day every day, right? And feed is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So the conventional calves, you know, when we're comparing them, when they're pulling one or two calves, you know, a day and there hasn't been any in the conventional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it's been incredible to see the producer's reaction as well. That is neat to see it paying off on the ground. Folks, we have been talking with our friends from FBN. We had Dr. Monty Curley and Dr. Spencer Walter. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you. And folks, tune in next time to AOA. We'll turn the focus back to the commodity markets. We'll talk weather with John Baranek from DTN, and we hope you'll join us then. Take care, everybody. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. What a great organization, helping families in need like ours. It's a godsend. When an unexpected crisis strikes, Farm Rescue is here to help. Assistance is available free of charge to farm families experiencing a major injury, illness, or natural disaster. Our volunteers and equipment are ready to spring into action with planting, haying, and harvest support. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand, visit farmrescue.org today. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. That's the Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.